everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. So at the prompting of my mother and of my doctor, I got a colonoscopy on Thursday. Let me tell you, I'd recommend one of those to anybody. And that's what I said to the waiting room as I was walking out. Uh, Allison was leading me. I was kind of like leaning toward the side. I was in a happy place. And I, you know, the whole room just like was looking at me. So I had to say something. And and man, it was so fun. I was flying high uh, after that procedure. But you know, there's a funny thing about colonoscopies is that uh, you don't remember everything that happens, thankfully. But uh, I remember getting undressed before. I don't remember getting dressed afterward, though. I'm not sure how my clothes got back on me. But, uh, you know, they give you a little locker, and you take off your clothes, and you put on your, wet- or your gown. Um, and you basically don't take anything with you. So I left my phone right in the locker. Have any of you had colonoscopies? I bet a good number of people in this room. Uh, and, and I... I I sat there, I bet it was for an hour, without my phone, without a book to read, with nothing. And I I sat there thinking about the series that we're doing called Hearing God, and I was anticipating this week and the passage we were speaking on and the idea of being silent or being still before God. And I I realized that there's a big difference between uh, being empty or just trying to suppress all the thoughts you might have and being present to God, like being still before God and letting God actually kind of meet you in your thoughts. I think one of the things I always thought was if you're going to spend time with God in silence, you just kind of have to like try really hard not to think anything at all, which if any of you have ever tried that, it's like saying don't think of a pink elephant. Try really hard not to think of a pink elephant, right? Like if you try to suppress thoughts, they actually in some ways bubble up. And so, uh, as I said, we're doing a series called Hearing God, and we'll get to uh, that exercise, actually, or that spiritual practice. And let me just say now, uh, if you'd like to commit to trying that spiritual practice of being still before God again later in the week, if you notice on your Connect card on the back, there's a place that you can say, I'd like to practice this hearing God this week, okay? So it doesn't mean that you're going to do it every day. Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to try being still before God every day this week. But just checking the box means I'm going to try it one more time this week. We're going to experiment with it today, later. I want to recap kind of where we've come from. So last week, uh, we made three points, and I guess there are three basic assumptions. The first is that, number one, God desires friendship with us. And that means that he doesn't just care about the facts of your life, but also the feelings of your life. If you have true friends, uh, they, they care about what's going on in your heart as well as what's going on externally. Point number two was that there are other voices competing with the voice of God or other powers at work in your heart and your mind. So just because you silence yourself and there's a thought that comes through uh, doesn't mean that it's necessarily God. It might be 
voices that are coming from inside of yourself. It might be messages that have been given to you by your mother, your father, your spouse, people at your work, right? Uh, so just realize that there's like a discernment process or a sifting or a filter that you kind of have to run uh, things through when you're trying to hear from God. And thirdly, one of the ways that you can know whether or not it's God is that to trust that it's actually coming from God, you need to understand the character of God. And that's one of the reasons that we read our Bibles. We want to understand what God is like. And so, for instance, last week we looked at a passage that said there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Or in other words, if you've turned toward Jesus, uh, you, if you're hearing condemnation, it's not from him. If you turn toward Jesus and you're feeling shame, it's not from him. He meets you with friendship, with grace, and with acceptance. So uh, today we're going to kind of stay with the idea, though, that uh, before you go to God for advice or for direction in your life, you have to know or come into an understanding of who he is, but also kind of what his voice sounds like. And I think it's something that over time you will grow in if you practice it. Uh, we're going to read from Psalm 46 today, and that's going to be read to us by Christy Grubb, one of the moms in our church. Happy Mother's Day, Christy. She's going to read Psalm 46 in part because the Psalms are songs or written as poetry, and she'll be able to capture the poetic essence of this passage much better than I. But uh, as she reads, pay not only attention to the beauty of what is being said here, but also notice that there is a declaration about who God is, a renunciation for us, but also an invitation to us. Okay? All yours. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of the day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Thanks, Christy. 
I want to focus uh, on the passage, part of the passage that you see on your screen there. Uh, but remember, first, we have a declaration about who God is. At the very beginning, it says God is our what? Our refuge and our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. And the, it's really interesting. The passage goes on to explain just what kind of trouble you might face, Right? So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. You know what that is? That is the very ground beneath you shaking. That is the things in this world that you think are most constant and most steady, the mountains, that you can always trust. Like, who can move a mountain? None of you can. Those things that you're so certain of might suddenly begin to shake. The things that you've oriented your life around could begin to fall. But even in the midst of that, there is something that is more stable than those things. You might have beliefs about God that begin to sh quake, and yet God is constant. You might have doubts. The mountains that you've always looked to, that you've personally held, might begin to be flexed out of what you used to always think. And yet God is saying, when that happens, I will not abandon you. I am your refuge. You are safe with me. You can question with me. You can doubt with me. I am here. I am here to help you, whatever it is that you're wrestling with. So number one, the declaration is that God is your refuge. Number two, and this is a little bit jarring for some of us, depending on your upbringing, perhaps, but God here is described as a warrior, right? Um, in verse, is it eight? It says, come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. And a one way to translate that Hebrew word is wonder. I don't know if that's the best or destruction is better, but the idea is, is that God, again, is a warrior who cannot be vanquished for whom the forces of this world uh, cannot overcome. But you notice that he's not just any kind of warrior. He's a very peculiar kind of warrior. Most warriors or most people who are waging war have one thing in mind, right? That is conquest. That is a vanquishment of their enemies. God does something different in this passage. He doesn't vanquish people. He does something different. It says... In verse uh, 9, he causes war to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. In other words, he's breaking the mechanism or the machines of war. And sometimes when we think about war, we're only thinking about like nations that are raging. But I think that there's a reality that we can take this home and make it a little more personal. So the renunciation here, that it matches up with the declaration of that God is a God who wages peace, not just in the world, but in us and for us. He wages peace in our hearts. The renunciation then is that we lay down our weapons. God says here, to those who have declared war on him and on each other, be still and know that I, 
am God. A lot of times we read that passage, if you've read that passage, uh, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Bible, this is a, a very famous little verse. And we read that passage to simply mean we need to spend a few minutes every day or every once in a while at least where we stop talking and stop thinking and just come silently or, or come before God in stillness. And I don't think that that's a bad uh, thing to do. And sitting before God in stillness, I think, actually helps us do something that is much more significant. Because if God is not just giving us this little verse in isolation, but giving it in context, he's speaking to people who have wars raging inside of them and outside of them. He's actually inviting you to be still, not just in a moment of your day, but to experience stillness in the whole of your existence, What would stillness look like in your morning routine? What would stillness look like as you drive to work? As people honk at you, as the external situations are, you know, noisy and crowded and annoying. What would stillness look like if it actually permeated throughout your whole life? And what must we renounce in order to get that? The idea of being still before God or being still in our lives means that we have to realize that just as two kings will war at each other, it's because they have an agenda. It's because they have competing agendas that are in tension, that are not complementary. And I think all of us have those too. And so I want to bring up two ideas here just briefly. Uh, The first is that of holy indifference. This is a phrase that comes to us from an ancient Christian tradition called the Jesuits. And the idea is, is that whatever it is that you have in your mind, that you are set on, that you've gotten tunnel vision for, that you can only see your way, a plan that you want to execute for your life no matter what, holy indifference means you're actually going to loosen your grip and set it down and give it to God. Now, he may give it back to you. But holy indifference is saying, like, whatever it is that you have as an agenda, you're going to surrender it. You're going to become indifferent to it so that those things that you want kind of lose their emotional charge. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The thing is, is that we've all met people that we suspect have hidden agendas. Have you ever met someone you think, this person has a hidden agenda? If you get a phone call from a number that you don't recognize... There's a, good per, there's a good chance that that person has a hidden agenda for you, right? They're trying to sell you something. Or if you've ever met somebody, they just feel a little slimy. You're not sure what they're after. They're being really nice to you. And then all of a sudden they come in with their sales pitch, right? Like that's a hidden agenda. The thing we don't know, or we, most of us haven't realized, is that we have hidden agendas that we hide from ourselves. You don't always know what your agendas are. You don't know or realize the things that you're holding onto with clenched hands. My daughter, Isla, she clenches her fists all the time. I think it's normal for babies, except for when she's eating. And they, they like go into a like receiving pose, right? The, the hands uncurl. Uh, I just want to ask you this question to maybe reveal what your like hidden agendas might be or how tightly you might be holding on to the things uh, that you want or you believe. When is the last time that you changed your mind about something significant? 
Has it been this month? Has it been this year? I don't mean like, I want pizza. No, I want Chinese. I mean like, you've changed a theological position. You've changed a belief about God. I'm not saying that every new idea that comes around, you should like abandon what you used to believe and chase after it. But are you open enough to the reality? Are you humble enough to realize that you might be holding on to the wrong thing? It might be your agenda or your belief, not God himself or not God's will for your life. Have you changed a political belief in the last year, in the last five years, in the last 10 years? Have you changed a philosophical belief? I don't mean philosophical like Kierkegaard or like Kant or like uh, some of these other guys. I mean like a philosophical belief. Like I had an idea about how my marriage was going to work and I'm going to put that actually down and embrace a new way of doing things. I had an idea of what it meant to be a, a good parent or I had an idea of what it looked like to do relationships. But I had an idea of what conflict resolution looked like or what uh, debate looked like. And I'm open to like philosophically changing how I come at things. When's the last time that you've changed something significant? Or have you, have you been holding on tight? One of, the only reasons, one of the only ways that this holy indifference can come is if you know thyself. I know that phrase from the Matrix movie. I don't know if anybody knows that. But it actually goes back to an old Greek uh, phrase. I, further back, I, I was reading, it's, an, it's on an Egyptian temple somewhere. Like, this is an old concept, the idea of knowing thyself. Socrates says that the unexamined life is not worth living. This is, a, this is difficult, actually. It, it's, it's, it's a journey. It takes time. In fact, I would say that if you don't spend any time in stillness uh, before God or before people... Uh, you probably don't know yourself as well as you think you do. So in order to hear from God or understand where God's voice is coming from, it's good to actually know your voice or to know your tendencies. And so I just want to put up a couple of, like, they're not even opposites. And they're not, like, morally good or morally bad. They're just different. But as you listen for God's voice, like, if you are a risk taker or risk averse, you might think, oh, if God is asking me to like take a bunch of risks and I'm a risk taker, maybe it's just my voice. Maybe I'm the one who's trying to drag everybody into this new, you know, risky venture. Maybe it's not God. Are you a fighter or a runner? Are you a people pleaser or are you domineering? Are you emotional or intellectual? Are you stubborn or submissive? Do you default towards shame? Like I'm not blank enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not efficient enough. I'm not pretty enough, or do you default toward pride like, I am awesome, I do everything right, I am the smartest, I am the coolest, right? Like, where, where do you go? So as you go to God, and if you know yourself, and if you realize that God only tells you what you want to hear, you might pause. If you feel like everything God says to you is like, yeah, you're awesome, Keep doing what you're doing, man, and you never hear from him like a, hey, you know, you've kind of wandered off the path here. You might just be listening to your own self. If you are an intellectual person and God only ever draws you toward more thinking and never toward feeling, like that just might be you. Or like the opposite goes true as well. Like if you're only a feeling person and God never like draws you to, to study your Bible or to think about 
how the world might work and you, you only want to stay in your, your feelers, like know that maybe, maybe God has been confused in your mind with your own voice. God's voice has been replaced with your voice. The real God will disagree with you. That's how it works. If your God never disagrees with you, you're probably just worshiping an image of yourself, not an image of the living, true, like warrior God, who, yes, is a refuge, who, yes, is safe, who will wage peace, but to wage peace, sometimes he has to burn the shields. Declaration, renunciation, invitation. The invitation here is out of your stillness to know that he is God. Now, uh, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say the Hebrew concept of knowing is different than the sometimes Western or post-Enlightenment concept of knowing. We all live in a country that was actually built on Enlightenment principles. And the Enlightenment, um, I don't don't want to get too much into it. It's all about head knowledge. It's about understanding ideas or concepts. The Hebrew version of knowing does not exclude that, but it includes an experiential knowing. Uh, This was one of my easiest vocab words when I learned Hebrew uh, in Hebrew class because uh, the Hebrew word for this knowing is yada. Kind of sounds like a light bulb going on. But that's how I pronounce it. It's probably not really how. Yada. But it's an experiential knowing. The invitation is to not just know that God exists, but to experience God's presence like in your life, in moments of your life, to experience his loving gaze. Um, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of reading lately. Uh, I've been reading different books, though, different books than I used to. I read, this is great book. Have you guys read this Are You My Mother book? This is a very spiritual book. It's also hilarious. So there's this little bird. You gonna know the story? A little bird wakes up out of his egg and he's like, where's my mother? Because mom has gone off to get some worms or breakfast or something. And, and the first thing that the little bird does is the little bird actually walks by his mother because she, the bird doesn't recognize her. But then the bird keeps meeting these different people. And what, what the, they're not people. There's no people in the story. They're all animals. So first he walks by a cat and he walks up to the cat and he says, are you my mother? And the cat doesn't say anything. It's pretty funny. The cat just looks at him. Then he goes to the dog, and, and the, the dialogue kind of builds. The, uh, the bird says to the, or asks the dog, you know, are you my mother? And the dog says, I want to get this right. Oh, it's so good. Um, oh, no, first, it's a hen. First it's the hen, not the cat. Goes to the hen, and the hen just says no. Then he goes to the dog, says, are you my mother? The dog says, I am not your mother. I am a dog. I think this is funny. <laughs> okay, then he comes to a cow. See how this gets more complicated. Are you my mother, he said to the cow. How could I be your mother, said the cow. I am a cow. Okay, he, he encounters a few other animals along the way. Or and then he starts encountering ma- machinery so strange. Anyway, he ends up back in the nest. And here's what happens. 
Somebody brings him back to the nest. Let me read this to you. This deeply spiritual book. Just then, the mother bird came back to the tree, and she said to her baby, do you know who I am? Some of you know that that's a name for God. Do you know who I am? And the baby bird says, yes, I know who you are. You are not a kitten, and you are not a hen, and you are not a dog, and you are not a cow. You are a bird, and you are my mother. This bird goes on a journey, leaves home, is looking for like the source of his very being. Like, what am I living for? Where did I come from? He encounters all these things. Some of them are dangerous. I can't believe the cat didn't make a move on the baby bird. Like my cats, they, uh, they've never caught a bird in their life, but they would still make a move, you know. Uh, but like some of you are on a journey and you're looking for like purpose and meaning and, and God. And what happens in this story is the baby bird doesn't actually even go home under its own power. Somebody brings the baby bird home and it is the, the mother who speaks and the mother who meets the bird. And there is, I mean, there's that picture actually captures it so well. Like there's an experience that the baby has and the baby knows, oh, this is my mother. I am in the presence of my mother. This was what it feels like to be loved and to be embraced. This is what a refuge feels like in times of trouble. And so I want to first uh, play a little something from a podcast that is kind of coming out of our, our movement. It's uh, from Vineyard Multiply or Multiply Vineyard. They, they do a lot to plant churches, but actually what they're more about, I think their core purpose is that they multiply leaders and then they happen to plant churches. That's kind of how I, I view them. Um, and this is, this is just an interview with a spiritual director that talks about centering prayer, uh, which I think is really a, it's a good definition, or she gives good definition to what we'll be doing here in a second, which is essentially being still and knowing that God is here or with you. So can we play that? This is what we're going to try. We're going to try sitting with a loving father who just wants to be with us. And we're going to try to tune in to the reality that God has fixed his loving gaze on each of us. And I am going to put on some ocean sounds because in a room this big, as I learned uh, sitting waiting for my colonoscopy, that people coughing is kind of distracting. So this is going to, the ocean sounds will drown out the, the coughing and stuff. Um, I started taking allergy meds. It really helps with that, by the way. Anyway, one of the things that I would add uh, is that in addition to like re not reacting to a thought or resisting a thought, uh, what's the other R? Retaining. Yeah, there it is. Uh, but then the idea of returning to Jesus, like there will be, I, sometimes for me, there is actually something that is different than my mind wandering down a, a path. 
uh, for me, sometimes God will actually bring up a thought. It's like the drawer opens and Jesus actually picks it up and I get this sense of like, oh, this is the thing in my life right now that you want me to pay attention to, that you want me to stop doing, start doing, just notice. And so I don't, I don't necessarily uh, want you to push down every thought that comes. I think that'll be counterproductive. But I also don't want you to judge the thoughts that come, right? That's the idea. Don't react to, don't resist, don't, don't retain, and keep returning to Jesus. And uh, after that, what's going to happen is for, this is going to be like three to five minutes. I'm going to guess four minutes. I'm gonna, we're going to kind of watch to see just how people are interacting or engaging. But uh, it's going to be four minutes of ocean sounds where you are invited to sit in stillness. You are invited to be still and experience that God loves you and is with you and is your refuge, okay? So come Holy Spirit and meet us in this time. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.